Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. Today I'm talking not only about multi-factor authentication, but why not multi-factor authentication. Here to speak about this with me are Corey Nockreiner, Chief Technology Officer with WatchGuard Technologies, and his associate Mark LaLiberty, Senior Security Analyst also with WatchGuard Technologies. Corey, Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Tom, thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. So, guys, despite multi-factor being embraced really as table stakes in security these days, we all know there are still many organizations that haven't adopted it. What do you find to be the biggest barriers from, one, the enterprise's perspective, and two, the user's perspective? Well, let me start with the enterprise perspective, Tom. This is Corey, by the way. I think the issues really come down to costs and friction. And what we find is larger enterprises, you know, from a security perspective, it is table stakes. Larger enterprises realize this, and they might have already adopted it relatively extensively. But as you go to mid-market and especially down to small business, costs and friction really affect them quite a bit more. So from the enterprise perspective, you know, the initial issues with multi-factor, even though it's very mature and has been around for decades, were the complexity and costs of the initial solutions. They required heavy servers uh, rather than cloud-based solutions you have today. They technically, or, or in the past, they really heavily leveraged physical hardware-based tokens, uh, which are great and can be very secure, but also have quite a bit of deployment costs. When you're dealing with a physical token, you know, having to get them out to your employees, especially if you're a big organization, having to recover or reset or, or get rid of them when they're lost, having to redeploy, all of those things tend to add up. So early on, the technology, it was really cost and friction. Although I'll say new solutions have made that uh, come down. And I think the user perspective is similar, but why don't you weigh in, Mark? Yeah, hey, this is Mark, by the way. And when it comes to the users, often it comes down to, like Corey mentioned, uh, friction. Implementations that aren't easy to use for the end user will cause them to not want to adopt them. Uh, that could be a, a hardware token that they now have to fish out of their pocket anytime they want to log into something. Could even be like the a text or an app where you have to enter in now a six-digit code every time you log in, so you have to fish your phone out of the pocket. That additional time can be a bit of a pain when it comes to users, which means we need to look towards implementations that make it easier for users to hop right in. So both of you have used the word friction. What do you find to be the real user frictions that are inherent in multi-factor? Well, one, there's a number of different techniques. I mean, your audience probably realizes multi-factor just combines multiple tokens or factors that are something you know, something you are, or something you have. And different combinations of those can be harder or easier. For instance, something you have does require a physical token. It may require pressing a button. It may require entering a code and reading off a code back and forth. So every little step that you have to take to an employee, you know, if I'm logging in every day, and chances are I'm logging in multiple times a day to many things, every extra step I have to do just seems like it's slowing me down to doing my job. So it's, it's those type of just basic extra steps you have to do. That said, smart implementations of multi-factor can really lessen those steps. For instance, 
you know, one of the most common ways that historically we've done multi-factor is something called one-time passcodes, where, you know, whatever your token, and whether it's a soft token on a mobile phone or if it's a hardware token, you log in with your password and then you're asked to put in this temporary six-digit or maybe four or eight-digit code. And even that little extra step can kind of irritate users. On the flip side, with mobile phones nowadays, we have push authentication where you always have your phone on you. You get a little notification that just pops up and it says, hey, I see you're authenticating from Spain at 6 a.m. on a Friday. Is this really you? And you just have to press a button. So just subtle differences between having to type more things versus just having to press a button to approve something, that makes a very big difference. Now talk to me about the real risk to the enterprise in terms of exploits that might be associated with MFA. Yeah, so I want to preface this with any form of an MFA is better than no MFA at all. Uh, but when it comes to multi-factor authentication, not all of them are come equally in terms of security. Uh, we've seen real-world attacks against MFA, like with the Reddit breach from uh, last year or the year before, where they were using multi-factor authentication, but they were using text SMS-based one-time passwords. And the criminal in this case was able to trick their mobile phone providers to port phone numbers over to a different SIM card or a different account, which then let them intercept those text-based uh, one-time passwords and successfully log into the accounts, even though they were using MFA. Yeah, and there, there's all kinds of different risks and ways you can get those text messages, whether they're vulnerabilities in ISPs or carrier networks uh, in the protocols they use like Signaling System 7. Uh, we've seen a lot of malware authors create malware that coincides with their, you know, they may have traditional Windows malware that affects your desktop, but they've designed malware that also affects usually Android, sometimes iOS devices that tries to capture locally things like that, that secondary token, that one-time password, or, or that text message. Not all MFA is created equal, but as a, a enterprise or, or a mid-market customer, you have to kind of balance the best security with the least friction. And you're not always going to be using like the NSA grade super token that does challenge response and requires a fingerprint because that might add too much friction, but you can get really good and secure uh, options that, that give you the security with less friction as well. Where do I get one of these NSA super tokens? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think we'd have to pass some sort of like confidentiality test and get SCIF access and and, and give all our information to the government. Mark. I'll just use my phone. Put it on the Christmas <laughs> list, Mark. <laughs> so, gentlemen, bring it back to WatchGuard. How are you helping to overcome some of these specific frictions and risks you've just detailed for us? So we've actually designed our solution really for this mid-market and below that we, we think has less adoption of MFA. And to, you know, some of the frictions aren't just the user friction, but the cost. One of the things we've done is implemented a cloud-based management solution and server solution. So other than wherever your identity store is, your Active Directory or, or LDAP server, which you probably already have set up, you know, our solution is entirely SaaS, you know, software as a service, cloud-based. You don't have to install any hardware to do it. So for business friction, it's really easy and quick to implement. And it covers, you know, anything from logging on to online sites to, you know, local uh, Windows authentication or Mac authentication. 
So that covers some of the cost issues. As far as the security risks, we really like this mobile phone-based push solution. So mobile devices are pretty ubiquitous. Many people have them. And the way we do our classic multi-factor authentication is not forcing you to type a code, is not actually using the text on your, your mobile phone, but using that push-based notification, which, by the way, happens over a fully encrypted TLS SSL channel. So it's not something you can man in the middle uh, easily. Also, behind the scenes, there's a lot we're doing in that application besides the push authentication of the phone. There are risks me and Mark haven't talked about yet where people literally image your phone device or do SIM card swapping to kind of get your phone number attached to another phone or get your applications to be able to be attached to another phone. So one of the things we have that is another factor behind the scenes is something called digital DNA we are using from your mobile device. So we actually understand some of the physical identifications of your specific phone so that we protect against things like SIM card swapping and can even protect sometimes against things like, like local malware that's just looking to get the, the key, the one-time password. So it really covers a lot of your security risks. And I think I already covered how that push-based authentication removes a lot of user friction. I mean, literally all you have to do is press a button called approve we hope you read a little information. You know, our system will tell you where we see you authenticating from and a few other details that help the user confirm that it really is the authentication they're looking for, but it really is such a quick process. The final thing I would add, and this is really important to enterprise adoption of MFA, is I actually think the right MFA solution can make your daily authentication tasks easier. So, one of the things we combine with OffPoint, which is the name of our solution, is a single sign-on portal. And we even have a cloud-based option. So uh, all of the local, like your daily SaaS applications, if you use Office 365, uh, Ryke, Salesforce, name any SaaS application that you might tie our system in with for multi-factor. What we all do here at WatchCard is we log every day, one time after we log onto our computer into our authentication portal. It has all of our services there after we've logged in with multi-factor. And from that point on, we just have to push a button uh, to get into any of those services with the single sign-on. And that actually saves your daily authentications, right? Previously, we'd be manually logging on to many different websites or web services. So I think if you create the proper multi-factor authentication system, you can actually make the daily authentication task a little easier while adding the security of that extra token at the beginning. A couple more questions I have for the two of you. One is, what are some of the multi-factor best practices that you recommend to organizations? Well, the first one is really highlighting something Corey just mentioned, and that's combining MFA with SSO because that's a really good way of getting your users to buy into it because now you're saving them time throughout the day. Instead of having to log into each application separately, they log in once, they're protected securely, and they just have to click a button or to hop into whatever they're using at that point in time during the day. And another best practice is, I think you might have uh, been able to tell from me and Mark talking about it, that we recommend that you try to avoid text-based multi-factor authentication when you can. If there is any other options, especially more, more secure uh, options that use a channel that's harder to man in the middle than text messages, you should always use that first. 
Now, important thing Mark said, like if you're going to some public site and the only option they give you is text-based multi-factor, using that is better than using nothing at all. So definitely use that when it's your only option, but we try to avoid text-based multi-factor nowadays. Gentlemen, we started this conversation talking about objections to MFA. In fact, we said, why not MFA? So talk to me about how WatchGuard is helping its customers overcome these objections on the enterprise perspective as well as the user perspective. Well, first of all, we just remind them something that I say quite often, which is authentication is kind of the cornerstone of security. We have all kinds of fantastic security controls. I mean, WatchGuard's business before we added multi-factor was really a lot of network and, and user-based security controls. But those security controls all apply their policies based on knowing who you are, because we need to know who the good guys are and who outsiders are. So if you're not really strongly validating authentication, all of the rest of your security kind of strategy could crumble. As soon as a bad guy gets a actual credential that shows up as one of your employees, it's kind of game over no matter what kind of security you employ because now we recognize you as a trusted user. So we just encourage them that, that this is the one of the key parts of security and it's one of the first things they should solve for the rest of their, their security strategy. And then I think you heard a lot, I, I'll let Mark cover the user perspective, but we really have brought the cost down so that all of mid-market customers from the you know, mid-sized mid-market to the smallest kind of faux shop that might have five employees can actually use this solution. It's inexpensive and simple and easy enough that anyone can use it. And from the user standpoint, it is really easy for the end user as well. All they have to do is pull out their phone and hit yes on the notification. Hopefully, like Corey mentioned, reading the details around it to make sure that it was actually their authentication attempt. But long story short, it's so much easier than having to type in a, a text number every single time you try and log into some app you're trying to authenticate to. Well, very good. Mark, Corey, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me about MFA today. Of course, it's a great pleasure. Thanks yeah. for, for sharing this great information with your audience. Thanks again, Tom. Again, we've been talking with Corey Nockreiner and Mark LaLiberty, both with WatchGuard Technologies. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.